Welcome to Wild on Health, your weekly holistic prescription for living healthy naturally. Lifespan, that's simply the time you'll clock on this planet. Healthspan, however, is the time you'll spend living your life in optimal mental and physical health. Join me on Healthspan, a podcast loaded with sensible recommendations and tips intended to put quality years on your life. JJ Virgin is a triple board certified nutrition expert and fitness hall of famer who's made it her mission to help you stay fired up, healthy, and always feeling your best throughout your 40s, 50s, 60s, and well beyond. JJ is the author of four New York Times bestselling books, including The Virgin Diet and JJ Virgin's Sugar Impact Diet. JJ is also a prominent TV and media personality, host of the very popular Ask the Health Expert podcast, and founder of the premier health entrepreneur event and community called the Mindshare Summit. Welcome to Wild on Health Seeking Healthspan. Hey. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Off uh, off audio, off camera. We, we just learned that you were on quite uh, quite the I trip. Know. The air, quite the, the trip. Yeah. Uh, so you're back readjusting to the time zone. Yeah. And I'm trying to, you know, it was funny. I was looking at your, your picture behind you and I thought, you know, this guy might have a cooler last name than me. <laughs> I don't know about that. I do try to live up to it though. On occasion. <laughs> you have to. <laughs> I don't try to live up to mine. <laughs> let's, let's, uh, let's not get into that. That's a little bit too, that's like what TMI, what do you call that? <laughs> that's, that's wild, wild on health at night. <laughs> That's right. You know, so and, and, and maybe a tiny different show, you know, many health uh, experts uh, in our industry, in our field do a really good job of talking the talk and um, the difference with you. And I, and I really appreciate, uh, you know, your your career and what you've what you've uh, what you've done to help folks on a massive scale. Really, a few select others um, do what you do. Um, you, you talk the talk and clearly walk the walk. I mean, heck, you could be turning 35 this month. So let's unpack some of your healthy aging secrets for those tuning in today. I really like the term you use, de-age. You know, you can't anti-age or put a stop to the process, but I feel like de-aging is sort of slowing down the process on any unnecessary accelerated aging. So if we could, let's start with some of your most important things that anyone can do from a nutritional perspective to de-age. Okay. I think the single most important thing we can do, gosh, you know, and it was funny, I was just doing a podcast last night and, and I said, I said what I'm about to say. And she goes, well, so-and-so says this, I go, you know what, you could put 10 of us in a room. And, and I used to think, well, we'll at least agree on vegetables. And I go, now we won't even agree on that. So, you know, there's a lot of different information out there, but the reality is I always want to look at this intersection of science and results. Because one of the things I learned in grad school is the research didn't actually match up with results all the time. Like at the time right. I was down at Gold's Gym in Venice, the mecca of bodybuilding. And I would take my clients there on field trips to just kind of shock them and blow their hair off a little bit. Um, and, it, and what I saw them doing and what we were learning in graduate school are two totally different things. And what they were doing was working. <laughs> so I was like, right. you know, huh, maybe all this cardio and eating super low fat vegetarian is not the way to go. And I think when we really look at de-aging, uh, I, I want to put this post out, I'll say it ahead of time, is I want to slash through this idea of aging gracefully. I think we need to age powerfully. I think the biggest mm. threat we have to um, our bodies as we age is being frail. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and you, you're starting to see this all over. And I think now with the boomers at the age are, I'm at the very end of the boomers. I was like the last boomer. 
And, you know, what's happening now is you're getting these people who are frail and you don't need to be. When I was doing my PhD at USC, I was doing, didn't finish, just for the record. Um, I real I was looking at these gerontology people because I was in the Department of Exercise, Phys and Gerontology, and they had these master's level swimmers at 70, 80, and 90 who were like, I would die to have their body, right? They were they were fit, they were ripped. And so that whole idea that we have to, we really do need to use it or lose it, that as we age, if we don't want to have old muscle, we want to constantly be re regenerating and refreshing. And in order to do that, it has to start with diet. Yeah. And it has to start with the focus being on protein. And so when I look at, I always talk about, you know, eating by the plate and the plate being protein, fat and fiber. But the first focus is always going to be protein. And I think that we've like, of all of the macronutrients, protein, fat, fiber, if you look at it, protein's the one that would be the most important because when you eat protein, you're going to get some fat with it, right? And you need protein and fat to survive. You don't, or protein, fat, and veggies rather. You you can live without the uh, carbs, but for some reason, it feels like we are so afraid of protein. Don't eat too much protein, Pro you know. And I'm like, you know, most people, you're not going to hear, boy, I really binged out. I ate a whole, you know, a whole wild salmon, and then I went off on a ribeye. You, you're too full. Yeah. Now you could eat three boxes of cereal, no problem, right? Well, I'm glad you started with what to include on the plate. I mean, because a lot of folks, you know, uh, experts out there, you know, and as I know you do as well, and there's a good place to vilify sugar. We should. Uh, but as you allude to, you know, sarcopenia, frailty, it's probably the number one cause of ultimate death. I mean, when you, when you think about how we lose muscle mass into old age, we want to prevent that. And that's what you're getting at. Um, that is the number one um, prevention of frailty and then therefore dying of secondary causes to mortality, uh, infection, uh, disease, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, et cetera. Uh, you can be skinny fat, can't you? Oh, that was an interesting thing that came out of, of London where they MRI'd people who are normal weight. And those normal weight people, they found that 50% of those people, 50%, I'm going to talk about some other stats and you'll realize how horrifying that is, were TOFI, thin outside, fat inside. And it was mm -hmm. the people who were trying to maintain their weight through diet alone, or maybe just walking, you know, walking is controlled falling. It's great. We need to move more. We need to do more non-exercise activity thermogenesis. But walking to me is not exercise. It's what we should be doing. Like right. we're ambulatory creatures. We shouldn't be bolted to the floor. The other scary thing when you look at it is that research showing that only 12% of the population is metabolically healthy. And I don't know if you looked at the parameters of what they consider to be metabolically healthy, but I'm like, I don't think that's metabolically healthy. I would so, and the research was done prior to the pandemic. So if you look now and you go, all right, so 80% of the US population is overweight or obese. Now we're not doing body comps. So I'm assuming some of those people are overweight, but not over fat. We just don't know how to look at this yet, which we really need to, like we gotta, looking at total weight is looking at, is like what we used to do with cholesterol. Remember when we used to look at total cholesterol, if it was a number that mattered sure. and then we went, Oh, wait a minute. You got to look at what the cholesterol is made up of. And you got to look at all those numbers. Weight's the same way. Like I just had a client who came in and over the course of three months, he started working out, started lifting weights, dialed in his diet and he didn't lose one pound in three months. He was like, 
you know, blown away. The reason he was so blown away was he lost 15 pounds of fat and put on 15 pounds of muscle at 58 years old in three months, which is like, what? Transformation. Are you but, you know, if we just use the total weight as the indicator, we would have thought, God, well, that was a big fail, right? <laughs> right. Well, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, Gold's Gym, Venice Beach. You just take a look up at the, uh, you know, multiple pictures of the, uh, the elites in the 70s and 80s. I mean, they didn't pick apart all the macros and micros and then look at them. But if you put all those guys on a scale and gals on a scale there, uh, they're obese. I mean, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, we should abolish uh, BMI. So, so maybe you could talk to us about how maintaining, you know, either an ideal hip waist ratio or muscle to fat percent, um, what that plays on the aging yeah. process and tell us how we can foster this ideal uh, metabolism into old age. Yeah. And I love that whole idea, like blow up the BMI. I think the BMI should be a range and, you know, from low to high range. And if you're more muscular, like I'm a more muscular person, I always have been. I remember in my teens, cause I'm six feet tall, I wanted to be a model and they're like, but you weigh 150, <laughs> you know? And I was like 15% body fat, you know, it's just ridiculous. Um, so I think it's super important to look at both hip to waist ratio and to also look at body composition and what that weight is made up of. And when you look at like, what's gonna happen, like what happens if after you age, you don't focus on losing weight, all you focus on is balancing your blood sugar, maybe tracking it with a CGM, you know, doing your body composition and your waist to hip and really monitoring that. And I tell people, I like them to weigh in daily because if your weight jumps up a couple pounds overnight, that is not, you did not, unless you sat down and literally ate that much food, which, I would be blown away to see you just ate something you were intolerant to doesn't make any sense and you tracked your sleep you know those to me are the three things that we could do for longevity that like you get those things right everything else takes care of itself but if you really sure. focused on holding on to or building muscle you're not going to have to worry if if you fall you're not going to break a hip because you got the muscle there to protect it and you've got better bone density you know i hear people go oh yeah you should walk for bone density no you shouldn't you should take weights and push them over your head and load right. your spine the you know so electric squats. effect yes yeah. you Walking, know str yeah, stress you is good overload. right yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're meant to push pull jump squat lift run you know, i agree with you and i you know I'm, I'm a part of the camp that says no excuses everyone's got a damn floor even if you don't have weight there's something to isometrics you against gravity that if you really pushed yourself but you said something important there you know whether it's uh you know blood glucose or some other measure i, I know that knowing your numbers can be powerful i know you often say what you measure you can improve um, is there a test or a baseline besides, you know, this um, maybe extended BMI or really looking at basal metabolic rate through the, uh, you know, not everyone has access to bioimpedance or these yeah. you know, uh, fancy technologies, but is there a test or baseline that folks can run with their doctor or even at home that gives them some insights into how well they may be aging? Ooh, well, I, so first of all, if you look at most of these things, Rice, they're inexpensive. A body composition scale, like I have a $5,000 one downstairs that I've had since the Dr. Phil days. Mm -hmm. And you know, now you can get them for a hundred bucks, right? So body composition and a tape measure, that's a hundred dollars. We can totally do that one. Right. And honestly, that's gonna be one of those most important markers for aging is to really look at that. Um, I would love to see someone do, you know, both a marker for inflammation and a measure of oxidative stress. So you can do that pretty simply through things like, 
you know, an organic acids test. I don't know that your typical doctor is going to do that stuff. So that's... You're referring to the oats test, right? Yeah, the oats test. But the other thing, and this is why I like a CGM, and someone said yesterday, like, wouldn't it be great if it was a CGIM? And it's like, boy, it sure would be, but I can't even get like a fasting insulin from most people. You really need to see what your insulin, what's going on with your insulin. Like when you really look at if you're going to win with the aging game, it's having muscle and being insulin sensitive. And the first place that you can start to reclaim that insulin sensitivity is through your muscle. Yeah. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. So A1C is what you're referring to. If some folks out there could get their doctors to uh, request this either on an annual, it's to be able to track blood sugar over time. But, but how about insulin and insulin growth factor? These things that you also recommend or... Um, so I like just, um, you know, when I look at things, I'm going to look at the go as downstream as possible. So if you've yeah. got a fasting glucose and a fasting insulin and a hemoglobin A1C, then you could look and see if there's something weird going on because they should all be tracking together. Blood sugar should come up, insulin should come up, blood sugar comes down, insulin comes down. So if you see that you've got, you know, low fasting insulin elevated, but elevated hemoglobin A1C, something's off there. If you've got elevated fasting insulin, low blood sugar, something's off there. So you wanna make sure they're working together. I think, I still look at just the basics. Like if you have good body composition testing, if you look at all of your things like vitamin D, HSCRP, like how's my inflammation, how's my vitamin D, like of all the things that we need to really know, vitamin D probably is the single most important one they never check. Like I I still look back over the last two years and go, what if we just did that? Right. <laughs> well, you know, it, it took some convincing to uh, the conventional or mainstreams, didn't it, over the last couple of decades? Thankfully, the CRN Council of Responsible Nutrition is finally up, up to the amount of sort of minimal uh, doses that one should get north of forty. You know, where we live, uh, or at least I do. Um, you know, we're all deficient, and we should have more of it, and we're meant to have more of it. Just like you said, we're meant to walk. We're meant to be exposed to sun, and get that conversion through our skin. Uh, to uh, vitamin D, we don't get enough. So maybe it's a perfect segue to, to vilify uh, sugar for a moment here. Not just sugar, you know, tell me why, because I hear you talk about this, like why healthy foods may be the ones holding some folks back, you know, creating weight loss resistance, causing cravings, and ultimately all of this accelerating the aging process. Yeah, and I think one thing you said that's important, I think the first place we always have to start when we're making a shift is, first of all, we fix one thing at a time, because if you try to fix all of them, you'll do nothing. And it always has to start first with that that internal commitment that your self-care and you are the most important, right? And you have that clear vision of your future self and your why. Then I always like to add before I take away, right? Let's add in the the protein, let's add in the non-starchy vegetables, let's add in water. Then we start swapping. Because what I learned early on is if you just pull things out, people can find way worse things, <laughs> you That's know, true. myself included. In fact, the reason I wrote the Sugar Impact Diet is when I first created the Virgin Diet, it wasn't seven foods you pulled out, gluten, dairy, eggs, corn, soy, peanuts. I didn't pull out sugar and artificial sweeteners. And that's what people gravitated towards. And I was like, oh boy, I got to fix this. This is not going to work. Um, so what I've seen over the years, and it started early on, you know, I've been doing this, I started teaching calisthenics in my teens. And when I was off at UCLA, I started, I started working at aerobic studio, and then I started personal training. And, you know, what I started to see very quickly was that what we were teaching people to do, lots of cardio, never do weight training until you've done the cardio. You don't want to put that muscle on. I'm like, you know, it was so silly. 
and eating super low fat and all throughout the day and lots of grazing. And oh my gosh, I literally saw people, they were eating all the healthy foods or the so-called healthy foods. Like they were, everything was about calories, butter buds, you know, fat-free, crazy stuff. But you know, when I flipped that to even eating more clean whole foods, I still saw that people were still holding on to weight and they were craving things and especially things around gluten and dairy. Those were the worst. Right. And so I was doing a lot of food sensitivity testing with doctors. I was teaching Metametrics labs and doing a, a doctor course called Overcoming Weight Loss Resistance. And what I kept seeing is when we do these food sensitivity tests, the same foods kept showing up. And it wasn't what you see in a traditional elimination diet, which I always thought were kind of hard and complicated. I just saw that gluten was a different type of test, but the top foods that always seemed to be showing up were eggs and dairy, and then it was corn, soy, and peanuts. And so since I had to wait for test results to come back, I thought maybe I'll just pull these out and see what happens during the weeks I'm waiting. And, and it would be crazy. In fact, I'm doing it right now. Someone just lost um, two and a half pounds in two days. And I'm like, that is crazy. What is that? It's inflammation. You're mm -hmm. reacting to these foods. That's what I like using scales because if you step on a scale and you gain three pounds overnight, that's inflammation. You didn't gain three pounds. You got inflamed. And so what I discovered, because, you know, when someone's trying to lose weight, they don't want to lose weight in three months. And I believe that you need to get healthy, metabolically healthy to lose weight. You don't lose weight to get healthy, but that's not what they want. <laughs> you know, Such so a good cool, point. Yeah. No, yeah. it's a cart before the horse in most of these cases. Yeah. But and I, the, I mean, you look at most of these diets and sure you'll lose weight and you'll damage your metabolism more. You dig yourself deeper into the metabolic hole. So what's cool about first focusing on what foods are work for you and which foods don't is that if you pull these foods out that are not working for you, you will drop that inflammation. You feel better fast and you have a glimmer of hope <laughs> that you can actually start to feel healthy and good again because you start to feel what feeling normal could feel like. So that's where I first start with people. And then, you know, again, when I wrote The Virgin Diet, the biggest question I got was, well, I can't quit sugar. And I'll tell you genetically, um, I don't have a sweet tooth, nothing. If you were gonna say last meal, I'm like, I want some salty and crunchy, I could care less. I'm not gonna be the one I'm eating the cookies and sundaes. Yeah. Um, but my adopted mother is a sweet tooth. So I've, I've seen this in action. I know what it's like to try to fix this. And so, I went, how do we fix a sweet tooth when there's so much misinformation out there? And some of it is that someone's been trained. Some of it's that they're not eating correctly, so they've now got this hormonal imbalance that's making them reach for sugar because they no longer can burn fat for fuel. And some of it's genetics. So what could we do here? And that's what I did with the sugar impact diet is I did a tapering. I first got people to assess to really put together, you know, what is sugar doing to me? And then I had them taper it over the course of a week or two. And then I had them pull fructose out altogether because fructose, you know, the more fructose you eat, the better you get at making, making fat. Mm -hmm. um, and then I went back and had them start to taste sweet foods again. And I found that people were like, oh, that's just too sweet. Right. So. Yeah, that's interesting what the palate and the taste buds do over time when you uh, uh, you start to wean it out. I, I think you're a fan of allulose. Are you not? Because we're talking about these sort of uh, sweeteners being bad. And of course, uh, sugar is yeah. the bane of all inflammation. Mm -hmm. uh, is there and some aging, good news? And aging. Like, absolutely. You, know, you look at the most aging thing you can do besides just be stressed out um, is eat sugar. Right. Like forget like, you know, 
you should not be able to go spend all your money on expensive face creams and go to the plastic surgeon and then eat sugar. This is silly. It doesn't <laughs> make any sense. You know, if Absolutely. you don't eat sugar, you don't have to go do the other. So, um, but the challenge is, you know, we're still going to do some sweet. I really want to retrain someone's taste buds so they love sour and savory and spicy. And it turns out both sour and bitter can really, you know, take your sweet tooth away. And eating protein, fat, and fiber can get your blood sugar balanced and have more satiety so you won't have that sweet tooth and allow you to actually burn fat for fuel. But we still can use a little sweet. And so I, you know, you know the, the research about the artificial sweeteners, sweeteners causing calorie dysregulation right. because you know, they, they fed rats sugar water and then they let them eat and they ate the right amount of food. Then they fed them artificially sweetened water and they ate the food they needed to maintain their weight. And then when they went back to regular water, sugar water, they overate. And I fear that monk fruit and stevia and erythritol could still do some of that. So mm -hmm. it, this isn't like, have at it, you know? It's, these are better options. Allulose is a little more interesting. It's a rare sugar. It's not no calories. It's not absorbed by your small intestine. So it's, you get a little bit of it, but it's not gonna trigger a blood sugar or insulin response. So that's super cool. And it actually has some research showing that it, it can help with diabetes. So there's some cool stuff about it. Um, allulose, monk fruit, stevia, and erythritol are the ones I tend to like. Xylitol from Birch works too. It's just maybe it's just me, but I don't think so. It's just a gassy thing. I was going to say, yeah. it upsets some folks, especially that may be uh, FODMAP uh, intolerant yeah. there. You know, and that, on that note, you know, you mentioned a couple of minutes ago, the idea that you're, you're honing in, and certainly the book talks a lot about it on intolerances. Um, do you appreciate also this uh, challenge that a lot of folks with intolerances have with this, uh, what we affectionately refer to as leaky gut syndrome or hyperpermeability? Do you factor that Well, that's that in? why you have the intolerances. You know, it's, um, and here's my feeling on doing a food sensitivity test. First, pull out the gluten, dairy, eggs, corn, soy, peanuts, and no added sugars. Don't eat things that are sugary, like juice. Juice is just a soda. Um, artificial sweeteners just need to be gone forever. They totally disrupt your gut microbiome. You know, I, I remember way back when, when we were looking at why is it that people who drink more soda and it was like one soda a day had an inch bigger waist circumference, a couple sodas a day, third more percentage likely to get diabetes. And at the time they thought it was because they were cheating on food. And it's like, then they figure out, oh no, it totally changes your gut microbiome. Right. So no place for that. But the first thing you really want to do is, is let's go back and fix the integrity of your gut. And you cannot have a good gut if you're doing gluten, it's going to make your gut more permeable. So, so gluten, stress, pain medications, a lot of the over-counter, the counter pain medications. I, I had a bad knee injury in my early 20s and the doctor just told me I could basically chew up Advil. I could have as much as I wanted. <laughs> so you can imagine what I had to fix, you know, right. poor gut. So fix that. Um, you'll find that you, a lot of this stuff will go away and then, you know, maybe you've got a couple outliers, but you can save your, the time on the test because to me, the best test really, if you respond to a food or not is take them out and then try it. And if you feel like crap, guess what? I agree. Don't eat it. <laughs> yeah. One of the best ways I've found over the years in clinical practice is to have somebody do exactly that and to take their baseline pulse. 
um, get rid of the food for a number of days, bring it back, take the pulse uh, about 10 minutes after eating that food. And it typically raises, you know, 16 to 18 beats a minute or more, uh, mm -hmm. very highly suggestive, even before gastrointestinal issues that there's a sensitivity there. I wish we had more time to get into stress because you're a guru on managing that as well. And, um, uh, but, but here's the next question as we sort of, uh, lead to our out, any supplements that you'd recommend that may increase in your opinion, health span or, or add healthy years to our life? So I think we always first have to start with diet. And I think one of the reasons that we're having challenges with protein is we just can't digest it. So I think that we all need a good digestive enzyme as we age. Mm -hmm. You know, of course, if you've got ulcers, that's a different story. There's others you could use, but I think we need to either look at bitters or doing some digestive enzymes. It's hugely important. So that's step one. And a good multivitamin mineral antioxidant formula baseline. Like we all need that. That's just putting gas in your car. Yeah. Then it starts to get to be more interesting. I love collagen. I think collagen is one of the most fabulous things. So I do a smoothie every morning with a bone broth protein and collagen and extra fiber and resistant starch. So even though I want you to get a lot of fiber from your diet, I feel like that's one of those macro micronutrient macronutrients that we just don't get enough of do you have a favorite by the way as it relates to collagen do you go i heard you say bone broth so clearly it's uh animal derived but um is there a is there a space for marine collagen in the mix i think so the challenge i've seen with the marine collagen is you know there's all these different types of collagen they do different things right and from what i've seen with the marine it's more uh, more active on your skin, not so much like what I'm really looking at is my biggest focus is sarcopenia. And I think because, you know, I had a son who nearly died and was in the hospital for four and a half months and in a coma. So that was a big, getting catabolic was a big thing. So I was like, how do I bring him back from that? Um, so that's where I'm really looking at collagens the most. So I like one that's got a, a variety, um, but we also have people who will only do fish. Hey, use what you can, right? Yeah. Um, beyond that, I find most people need D3 and K1 and 2. <laughs> like, yeah, can't miss rare, those. Right? So I agree, with, I agree with all those and obviously a huge fan of omega-3s uh, in there as well. Yeah, those are with the, I do, the basics are multivitamin, mineral, essential fatty acid formula. So right. omega-3s, yeah, you know, when my son had the traumatic brain injury, we had him on 20 grams a day for a while there and right. tapered him. Whole stories in my book, by the way, uh, brain spanners. Um, so folks can take a, a peek at that whole chapter. JG Virgin talks about that incident and incredible recovery <clears throat> of uh, of your son uh, using high dose uh, omega three fatty acids. JG, ever look back in your life and uh, think that you could have made uh, any differences, any change, any personal regrets, like how you could have better taken care of yourself? Any coulda, shoulda, woulda moments? Hmm, coulda, shoulda, woulda. You know, I'd, I'd say the coulda, shoulda, woulda was like. Um, probably just more in school. I don't know about you, but I was like going, why, like, why would I, A, why would I have ever left school? And B, when I was finishing my master's in biomechanics, I decided to go to a PhD program. And they're like, you don't have to finish that because we're just going to do your PhD and you'll get both. And I was like, so I threw my... <laughs> I threw my my whole like master's thesis away because I was so sick of it. 
<laughs> but you're in school. You're in school. We're you're, always in school. And I've every book you've written is a PhD on its <laughs> own. And you're in the school of life. You're constantly learning and teaching. Isn't teaching one of the best ways to learn? I it's mean, it's the this is... best, best train. Like early on, I actually was a tap dance teacher in high school because I ran out of I, there was nothing else to learn. So they had me teach it, which is, I think, important thing for all of us to know. But yeah, you're right. We're always, always learning. And I just never understand when someone says they're bored. Like, how could you be bored? <laughs> that is so much. But, and this brings us full circle because uh, right at the top, I said it and I'll say it again. You walk the walk, talk the talk. Uh, folks, for everything JJ Virgin, just go on over to visit jjvirgin.com. And for tons of free recipes and resources, state-of-the-art programs, plenty of support to help you build your dream life. And for access to some pretty incredible designed health products, just go over to JJ Virgin store at store.jjvirgin.com. And you can follow her on Instagram, JJ Virgin, or rather at jj.virgin or Twitter uh, at JJ Virgin, or even on Facebook, JJ Virgin Official. JJ, thank you so much for joining Wild on Health Seeking Health Band. I really appreciate your time. I appreciate you having me. All the best.